August 29th, episode 22 of Macross Delta aired last night. And we're back here for another episode of the Gur Talk to talk about it. Episode 22, or as I like to call it, Hayate went full alto. You should never go full alto. Or something else we could call it, the episode where Renato finally got some action. Speaking of which, on the other side of Toko, calling in tonight, we have... Hi, this is Renato here. Sounding enthusiastic as always, Renato. Uh, also on the other side of this call, from Canberra, we have... It's Carice again. Hi. Thanks for joining us again, Carice. You are a regular now, I think. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> I'm dreading her voice. Yes. Why not of us? And of course, from Sydney, we have. Uh, hi, it's me. This has been. I, I actually got here half an hour ago when the show really started, but uh, I've been having a lie down waiting for Renato to introduce himself. <laughs> oh, well, hi, Renato. And uh, to my far left. Hi, I'm Renato, otherwise known as Renato. Am I doing it right, Gwen? That's, that's good, Renato. <laughs> Otherwise known as Renato. Um, speak to me, Mysterious Venus. I'm here. Hello. Hello, Egan. And to my left, I have... The music is Genki. Adrian, because I'm no longer jet-lagged or drunk, like Renato usually is. Now, you're drunk on sea, though. I am in a better fit mood than I was last week. And of course, this is your usual host, Gwyn Campbell. And, and don't forget Sleepyhead. Introduced Mike. And yes, Sleepyhead, calling from yes. the city. What do they call Vegas anyway, Mike? The city, city of, of sin. City of sin. sin. So speak to us. Sin Mike. City. I'm from. I'm in Sin City in a dark hotel room, overlooking the the, the Vegas Strip. So it's and you it know, is. Yes, it's 5.40 in the morning, and, uh, yeah, you know, it's Vegas, so I just went to sleep like an hour ago, so. I was going to ask Anyways. if you actually slept, Mike, but you just answered that. <laughs> but thanks for, for joining us, Mike. Mm-hmm. I, I believe you're watching it, liter- watching this episode literally as you got on the plane. Yes, yes, thanks to, to the Place miracles of modern technology and... <laughs> yeah. You're carrying the PlayStation. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was I was able to watch it on my phone uh, as it was uh, in real time. It was pretty cool because I was just sitting on the plane waiting for it to load. So uh, that was a that was kind of a cool experience. Well, uh, look before we jump into the episode, a few pieces of news just to touch on quickly. The second Walkure album, for those keeping count, Walkure Trap, as well as the second original soundtrack, have both been announced for September 28th, which is like... It's a trap! It's only a month away. It is, Mike. It's going to be days after what we are told is the climax of the series, episode 25. So... 26. 26. 26. You're right. Uh, so, Renato, I know that you know, Walkure Attack was kind of a... Uh, a reference and a homage to something. Is there anything that Walkure Trap is potentially referencing? Well, I know it rhymes with something very unfortunate. Frappuccino? Frap? What? Valkyrie <laughs> Crap? <laughs> 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 We're in stitches, Renato, please. 
Uh, okay, so I cannot remember uh, which one of our friends pointed it out. Um, maybe was it uh, Howard, Osaka Howard? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe uh, both. Uh, the first one was uh, Walkyrie Attack, right? Yeah. And this is Walkyrie Trap. Both an attack and a trap are like volleyball maneuvers. That's why they look like they're playing volleyball in the first one. And the second one as well, kind of, if you look. Um, I haven't really looked at the, I don't know. I haven't really looked at the cover of the second one, but uh, the the first one, one, we were clearly playing. Yeah, the second one, yeah. A a mix between like a Mission Impossible and uh, the, the Death Hallway from the Resident Evil movies. Yeah, it's yeah. a bunch of lasers. But a trap but a trap and an attack are both volleyball maneuvers. I don't know why they decided to go with this volleyball theme for the yeah. music, but that's that's the closest thing I could figure out why they call it Walkshire Trap. Hmm. Oh, I just found the cover. That's really cool. Yeah. Um so less than a month, so wow, they've really pumped out so what they'll have pumped out the two OSTs, the two Alcura albums, and I think it's going to be three singles. And there's another single. Was there or wasn't there? I don't remember. I th- yes, but yeah. uh, the most important part is that the cover of the second soundtrack has a robot on it. Not only one robot, two robots. Oh my! Well, that makes up for everything, Renato. That makes up for everything of the last thirty years. As far as I can remember, we have never had a robot on the cover of any macro soundtrack. Soundtrack, you no, think but the AI's, drama albums. Does AI's count in terms of Sharon Apple? Sharon Apple? Yeah. Yeah. She's technically a robot. She's not on any of the covers. Yeah, she is. She's on the Macros Plus. Cream the, 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 the oh. little diamond thing with the chains wrapped around it? That's not her. <laughs> That's her? She's Well, it's, it it's, as like much her. Her, <laughs> it's as much her as anything else. Okay, then... Well, uh, Fine, I guess. <laughs> Renato, I was going to say, correct. Uh, you, you, you will no doubt correct me, but I thought some of the um, the Macro Seven drama albums had like a five out in the background in the distance or something. Or am I misremembering that? Because there were so many of those drama albums. I thought for sure one one or two of them had a five out on them. I'll have to go and check. But I was talking about soundtracks. Anyway. Okay, yeah, no, you did specify that. It's a fair point. So that's a lot of music. Uh, this year from from Delta. Uh, So those have been announced. Also during this latest episode, uh, the Macro smartphone game, which has been hinted at since the initial episode, (laughs) so it took 22 episodes for them to get this together, uh, was finally announced with a not-so-imaginative name, Uta Macros, so Song Macros. Smartphone de culture. And since the previous DNA game was Macross Cross the Culture, this seems to be an ongoing tagline or subtitle for their games. And as far as we know, they're saying it is a rhythm game which spans all of the generations of Macross, by which they only mean apparently the TV iterations, if the, uh, the initial promo video is... Anything to go by? That video doesn't show us anything in the way of gameplay. Uh, and it's not even out until spring 2017. Yes. <laughs> it's 
So whether anyone remembers most of the Macross. Well, and and what I found funny was that uh, on the promotional image for it, the front row of five singers, which you'd think would be Walkure, they cut Makina and Reina out and put Cheryl and Ranka there and put Makina and Reina in the back with like Minmei. Which I thought was very yeah. interesting and possibly speaks to the ongoing uh, importance, popularity of, of Frontier among the fandom. Yeah, but Minmay is like second row center. So she's got a better position than Makina Arena doing that picture. Yep. <laughs> but then even Kaname's front row, you know. Yeah. So that still says a lot. I think that's all Axia right there. But so that was announced. Also, something we uh, I neglected to mention last episode... Uh, Valkyrie's third sortie is has been announced and comes out September 14th, so it's only a couple of weeks away now. That would, of course, be Hidetaka Tenjin's most recent uh, collected works of, of his uh, model kit box art. This time yeah, around... It's, it's a book. In it. to, to clarify, it's a book. It is a book, yes. Sorry, Craig. Yeah, saying? people are on. I said, has he actually drawn a VF-17? Uh, you'd have that's to... The only- You'd have to pick the book up to find to... out, Craig. Uh, that doesn't sound likely. Um... <laughs> so this time around, uh, for anyone who hasn't pre-ordered already, may be happy to know, uh, the book is bilingual. So all the plain descriptions, uh, all the illustration descriptions are in English. And uh, that was worked on by myself, Renato, and Adrian. So uh, anyone who's on the fence about picking that book up, I recommend... Picking it up. One of the neat things about this book compared to the previous two releases, they're going with a new type of spine so that when you look at the book, it will lay flat on each page. So you won't have that like arching, like spine thing, and you're kind of looking at it. So, and. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I guess finally, in this rather extended list of news, volume two of. the Blu-ray is out. It came out last... Uh, 26th, I think it was, right? So last Friday, I want to say. Um, that's out in the wild. I know people overseas have gotten their copies. And uh, as something else that has also gotten out in the wild is that uh, the English subtitles on these Blu-rays are done by a company called Creative Sphere, which is a company that both uh, Adrian, myself, um, and Mike... Are, uh, are part of so. and Peter, who was in mm-hmm. the very first episode of Macross Speaker Podcast, right? So I hope long-term listeners remember him. Has he been on more than one podcast? I speak? think he chimed in on a second podcast once because he happened to stop by, uh-huh. but he didn't really sit through the whole thing. But the original, the first podcast we did, he was basically. Um, it was like the fronty movie. Right? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was on before we brought in Richard. Right. So, all right, and uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, we're bringing this up just because we are in the uh, in the credits in the back of the booklet and the disc, and so several people have been uh, chiming in on Twitter. Uh, so I just want to make a note of you know, of course, that was done by the company in a professional capacity. This podcast is all our personal opinions and uh, does not reflect the views of the company or any of the um, clients that have hired the company to translate anything. Just wanted to put that it's out. All our personal views. Yep. Yes. No. Disclaimers. Disclaimer. But also, um, it's a testament that the English subtitles will be of high quality. So there's no um, there's no need to worry about any potential 
uh, mishaps like the Macros Plus subtitles with bromance or whatever. Did Did you just give us a compliment, Renato? <laughs> yes, of course. I'm recording this. This is awesome. Wow! Wow! All right. Yeah, so, uh, episode twenty two of Macros Delta. Let's get into this. We open up. Actually, we've actually been going so long that we can talk about Macros twenty three now. <laughs> Uh, the show has been going that long already. Wow! Um, all right. So while Craig's watching episode twenty-three, we'll continue uh, talking about twenty-two. Just keep the volume down, Craig. Don't spoil it for us. Not much happened. Um, <laughs> so Thank you, Renata. I'm glad someone was with you at that one. We, we do open up exactly where the previous episode had, had pretty much ended. Uh, Roy walks out of the Shrine of Time. And he's closed it off. Uh, and there's this conversation the we hear that, um, you know, Heinz is still out of action, so, cause, um, so they can't really make full use of the Sigurdvalens, which is interesting because you hear the Errol Knights talking amongst each other, and I think it's, uh, you know, Bogue is, is really worried. He's like, you know, if our enemies realize that, that Heinz is out of action and we can't utilize our full power, you know, this is... You know, we're we're down. They could kick us while we're down, and it really mirrored that conversation previously, where Chuck was freaking out that they couldn't take on um, the song of the wind, or the wind song with without Mikamore, without Kaname, without uh, Makino Reina, who are all you know locked up, and so it really kind of I thought made this interesting juxtaposition how both sides are, are kind of uh, really weak at the moment. After everything we, we, we've seen to to date, um, we also see Cassim. Uh, he's been growing some uh, some trees for his orchard. I think it was out the back of uh, the castle Windermere, and they were some ready some to... apple trees. Yeah, right. Which were going to be transplanted, transplanted. to. Right. Um, oh, I forgot the name of that. Well, his farm. Yes, Right, and he was with. Um, Hellman's son. Hellman's son, yeah, that's right. Uh, we then switch to a really nice shot of the 31A. Not doing anything, but yeah. Um, and we find out what was hinted at in the pre-episode description on the website, which I've got to say, by the way, and 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 Carice, I'm sure you remember this as well, since it only happened the other day, but they left that description and teaser photographs until literally seven minutes before the episode aired this week. Oh, last week, I should say. It's like, <clears throat> when is the standard the release? When so, normally those go up, if not Friday night, then sometimes Saturday, but more often than not, by Friday night, they'll go up. So, they were a full 48 hours late, and I was thinking it might have been because I was trying to avoid spoilers or something, but the screenshots they chose to tease the episode with were all talking headshots. So there was nothing spoilerish in there, um, but it did note something that happened next, well, which was they didn't want to they didn't want to spoil that there was actually action this episode. Oh, they were afraid to scare people away. I know, right? I mean, Renato yeah. had to come back. <laughs> I was well, I was very very surprised. They probably literally finished the episode, downloaded it to like a USB clip. Gave it to a guy, and he strapped it to the back of his bicycle seat, and he bicycled over to the television studio to drop it off personally, and they got the screen grabs. Just like they used to do it when they had to deliver it on film. So you think he left the memory stick on the train? Yes. (laughs) That's what happens in Shirobako. It is 
But, uh, so Mirage has convinced Arid to let um, Hayate fly and Mikum will be on the battlefield as well by saying that she will take Hayate I mean Freya. down. Oh, sorry, Freya, yeah. Freya will be on the battlefield. My, but yeah. Um, and, you know, under the condition that she take out Hayate if he should go berserk. Uh, or lose control, I should say. Which, I just, again, I'm getting flashbacks to them having that conversation with Mesa. Um, of course, Hayate, well, if he's completely out of control, he's pretty much Mesa level, isn't he? So, can Mirage do it? Well, that gets answered later on. Uh, but then we, um, oh, and also, we finally get to see what I'm sure was Mike's favorite part of the episode. Which was Valkyrie finally suiting up in these high-tech outfits. Oh, the non-magical outfits, because that's in the first Blu-ray DVD spe- mm. uh, special. Yeah, features is they explain how they're not magical girls and, and the different layers of the uniform, and they actually show the layer in this episode that is like the skin-tight emulator-ish style <laughs> kind of thing. I think Mike's asleep because I mean we're like totally giving him an in on a machina and he's just not there. Yeah, Las Vegas will do. I'm that. here. I'm listening. I'm listening. No, I'm just I'm just waiting because I mean there was you know there was some great shots, but it was uh, I think Konami had the best shot of all. But uh, there was uh, there there was some nice there was there were some nice moments here. Whenever uh, Machina has her hair down. That's uh, that's always a choice. That's always a choice. Uh, a choice scene for me. But as as Adrian said, we got to see these suits and the gas jet clusters, which looked really uncomfortable. They they're not kind of yeah. up in the waist. They're right around the back of the butt and just strapped on there. Like it looks like a piece of metal. I guess I have to be pretty rigid to hold the. I was the I was thinking that those the hollow suits or whatever they were wearing must protect them from the thrust because otherwise that would burn their legs off. Yeah, because it says in the special features that's basically so they can hit, they can take multiple like laser hits and stuff like that. Oh, really? So yeah, that's that la- that protective layer keeps them from basically being singed or fired on. It's a very very um, comprehensive animated short on VHS. Yeah, <laughs> and it feels like you're watching an episode of Archer. Yes, it's complete Archer. Yeah. It's pretty funny, but uh, so okay, well. I, I'm curious now. So the um, are they wear, they're wearing hollow clothes? Obviously, is that what the like the bra the high tech bra panty part is? Is that the hollow projector or that's a part of it? It's actually just a layer that they're wearing. So it's it's like a really really thin suit um, that they're wearing, and which has the crotch pieces, bustier parts, and there's still their outfit over that. Right, and oh, so they are wearing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so I don't want to derail the conversation too much, but this brings up an interesting point that I was thinking. It's a nitpick, and it's probably a plot hole or whatever. I, I am glad that they decided to go at least show it, so that there's some kind of technology there. So it cuts out a lot of the magical girl crap that people like to throw around. However. Back in episode two, when Freya is on the monorail after they told her that she did not pass the audition, and there's that fake VAR outbreak 
where basically it's her, her final test before she's accepted into the group. Once she passes, they, they're they like, oh, you passed. And then they put her in her walkier outfit. So is she still is she still wearing it? What's going on? Like that explains like how uh, being one that's had to watch that episode multiple times, and you should have too. In that episode, they gave her that wrist thing that's supposed to monitor their their performance and their output in singing, and that's what it is because she still has that on and that's what's projecting the a uniform on her well they, uh, okay well see there you go so think there's an explanation a, for everything think of it as like a mock-up version right it's not yeah, the, not yeah that's what i was gonna say yeah even if it had just been projected off the car like off the um rail car it, it was just the exterior of the suit it didn't have the jets it didn't have the the laser protection layer. It was just the visual of the suit. Yeah. So anyway, we've known they can do that since. Do you remember love? So. And and let's be honest, Very Freya cool. doesn't need the jets because she just jumps off ships willy nilly anyway. True. Correct. But if there you go. She used the jets when she jumped off the ship. Yeah. Macro speaker podcast answering all the important questions for the fan. Thank you. And and yes, Renato, she did, but she just jumped head first. Uh, yeah. She, yeah, she she, she, used she did it to boost her speed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, and this brings us to a scene back on Windermere, which I, I thought was pretty good. But look, let me uh, pass it on to someone else. Carice, um, do you want to tell us what happened? We had a scene between Keith and uh, Hines. Yeah, so Keith visits Hines in his bitching well, obviously, and he's there. Oh gosh, there's a lot dialogue. <laughs> See, thanks a lot, Gwyn. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically there to apologize for um, his rudeness in the previous episode where he came in and just roughly like, found out what was going on with Heinz. Um, and yeah, basically ripped his clothes off. And um, Heinz accepts that, but basically tells him just don't share it with anyone else at the moment. But he also realizes that Keith probably came to do something else as well. He wouldn't just come in and apologize. And Keith basically tells him about his um, the day that Heinz was born, which was the like the last time that call him Gramia his father, and he but Gramia also taught Keith basically how to access sort of how to connect to the fold properly. That's what he's up there. So his point is basically that he's asking Heinz, um, is what Heinz is doing really what Heinz wants to do? Is that his true wind is how he puts it or something like that? Um, and he that's he seems to be trying to get Heinz to think about what he's doing because Heinz has basically just been saying, um, Lloyd says this is fine. So um, as long as like we follow what Lloyd says, we should be fine. Yeah, uh, I thought it was really interesting how you know he, we found out this was the last day that the king was you know he was able to refer to the king as as his father. But also, did you notice where the king took him to to explain the wind? Uh, it was like uh, that's right. A, a, 
pterodactyl, a petrosaurus. It was like yeah. a giant bird's sanctuary. Yeah. They used the same term that was used back in Macros, Macros Plus, Plus right? for yeah. the similar birds, even though it was a different planet. Yeah, I, even though the birds look a bit different, you saw them taking off, and one of them was huge. Have we? Ever, I don't think we've seen them this big before. They've yeah. always kind of been in the distance. Yeah. It's crazy. There's In Macross Plus, the movie No, edition, no, I mean in, in, in this show. Oh, in, in this show. I was going to say, we've seen like a huge feather, like the size of like three people. Yeah, but well. like I, we've always seen them in the distance... Like in Delta, but I've never seen one that huge in Delta. Like no, they never showed it perched right there. And the only other bird they showed was the one kind of hawk trainer guy. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, very strange. This, this definitely had echoes of of Plus. Like that was a very the, the scene with the bird taking off and just the way it was framed and everything was very much like that sequence in Plus from episode I want to say three. That's when they go to the I hospital. Think. Right, when you skip. Yeah, which is because end of two is when he. Yeah, I think it's three, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, that was actually one of the better. It was a little info dumpy, but I thought it was a pretty nice scene, actually. It, yeah. Uh, I, I still find. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a good scene for Keith because it shows a layer of Keith we really haven't got to see yet. And. It was also a bunch of BL fodder because, you know, last episode, Keith runs in and just rips Heinz's shirt off. He's and now he's got to go back and apologize. Stuff. And you got the top bottom BL stuff going. So, Kamike. Oh. I, uh, I still find Heinz and Keith's, especially Keith's characterization, very confusing. I feel like it's very inconsistent. Like, does he care? Does he not care? Like, in the early episodes, it seems like he was just kind of a, like he was polite but very distant to Heinz, and now he's sort of. Last few episodes, we've seen him really, really caring, and now this episode, it seemed to be back to a bit more of the distance. And I, I can't really. I, I, maybe it'll be better on rewatch, but I've just I've been finding it a little bit inconsistent how he's portrayed. I think it's deliberately this way because, well, one, one thing we find out in this episode, unless you've been reading this uh, character description that you knew all along, is that he's not necessarily the uh, a legitimate uh, brother to Heinz. So yeah. there's this not quite a hate-love relationship, but definitely at sometimes he's got to maintain the distance because he's not part of the true lineage. But at the same time, he's part of the family. He's about the only one, I think, who really, truly still cares for Heinz as a person, as opposed to being someone who has to be on the throne. So mm-hmm. that sh- shows that, on one hand, he has to maintain that distance. He has to show that even though he's the older brother, but he's the half-brother, that he's not like a pretender to the throne, so he has to maintain his distance. But on the other hand, yeah, he uh, uh, compared to no one else... He's the only one who really you know, cares for him uh, that way. Do you think Royd used to care? Because I wonder how yes. long Royd's had his plan. Because, again, we get the flashback here and they're hanging out. And the early impression was always that Royd cared. And I agree. It's, it seems like now now that we've seen more, it feels like that might be a bit... Um, Less than uh, Right, Exactly. But I wonder if that was always the case. Like, how long has Royd's plan been in effect? Or is this, like, did that happen later? Like, I'm, I don't know. I'm interested about all that sort of stuff. Royd's character is very interesting. Because Royd was treating uh, both both of the brothers uh, really kindly when we see them in their flashbacks. So Exactly. 
There's that scene too. We haven't really seen it explained yet, where Roy's pulling Keith out of the crashed uh, white knight fighter when they were y- much younger, like they were kids. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I think was in relation to when the planet got scarred mm. from memory. But we haven't really seen the details of that, and I'm, I'm hoping that's that's coming. I'm very curious I about have, it. I have a theory, and I ain't going to go into it because we got to move forward. But yeah. I've- kind of pieced all that together but I can go over that later well uh, we then switch to a very uncharacteristic scene of Hayate talking with Mikumo and I've got to say I I like that scene I think this is the most those two characters have exchanged words in the entire series to date combined Uh, I think it's the only time I don't remember them talking at all they might they might have been in group shots together, but I think it's the it's certainly the only one on one time. Right, you know, and it was uh, a nice little min- minute where because you know they're both insecure, you know. While Mikamo doesn't show it that much, uh, you know, she's coming to terms with with her past and coming back into the team, and Hayata is dealing with the fact that you know he could lose control. And so it's a nice little exchange between the two of them. The best part of which, of course, is when, you know, she says Hayata has to take good care of her because she's the youngest member of the team at three that years That was funny. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a legit funny line. Uh, I mean, and, the way, and the way he reacted to it, too, it was like, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> and again, it's like, when was the last time Mikomo... When has Mikomo ever made jokes? Like, this it seems like her character's mellowing more after the reveal, or semi-reveal. It's as if she's more open to showing that she's vulnerable yeah. to everyone yeah. else, when all this time it's been this mysterious persona that she's kept up, if only because she is a mystery to herself. Yeah, there was that line when they were getting changed, and she was saying her memory might be an implant? Yeah, she's kind of giving everyone, a, like, a, you know letting people know that she's not really ready to go in t- to do it but she's going to go in and do it what she has to do but, and everyone's kind of like uh oh you know <laughs> well, Konami says like are you ready and she says you don't have to worry about me uh, like I'm still me I just sing um, yeah. although that might have been how I was programmed is the way that I understood yeah. it to be. Oh, and says, I thought that was really... She she has this line where she's like, you know, although that, like, as in that memory of herself, uh, could be, yeah, could be a fake memory, and which, apart from going a bit ghost in the shell, is also, I think, potentially setting it up for what the full reveal for her is. It's like, well, if she, even she suspects her memories have been tampered with, then what what else has been tampered with? What's she going to find out? I mean, she might not... I mean, it could all have been a lie to her, too. She may not be, you know, like a clone. Like, if if she, they've told her, oh, the reason you only remember the last three years is this. I mean, she's already having memories for something that she sh- has never... should never have experienced, like all the stuff on Windermere. Which if they found... Over three years prior, so... Well, exactly. Well, it, it seems to have happened perhaps hundreds of years prior. Um... I, I still go back to my theory that she's a protoculture. I, I, I'm wondering now if they found her and did something. Like, maybe they found her and messed with her. You know, what if they found her on Windermere and, like, 
like escaped, like nuns when they pulled out took her with them or something. Like that was part of what caused mm, the bombing. That's why we have Scarfall to right as a cover. Uh, yeah, well, which I hadn't thought about just now, but that's kind of interesting. Anyway, well, we then switch over to well the the um, the Macross Elysian detaches from the island cast ship and heads over to Randall where there is a coordinated attack taking place. Yeah, which is... I meant, I meant to ask, is Randall the cat planet? No. No, that's Voldor. No. Yeah. They were... The people that were in the battle were uh, Voldorians. Yeah. Because our right. returning furry captain, Lorazabong, he, he's he stole He stole Canaria's moves. Yeah. From and Because uh, <clears throat> earlier, in the beginning... So of literally, the they're the same yeah. moves. <laughs> is it is it the same animation? Is it? Uh, yes, I, it's a little bit tweaked because um, I think it's the same animation path, but they throw a bunch of stuff at it. Because uh, as it's coming down, there's a dragon coming in, and it shoots the dragon dragon right. down as it's approaching right. to shoot it down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they added stuff to it, but it's obviously the same animation data. Um, huh. But. Yes, you know, our favorite furry captain from um, the Planet of Cats is back, and he's in a, a, Destro- a Koenig monster, and that Koenig monster is in the Matchbox Destroid Monster Colors that was released back in the 80s. Oh, cool. So that goes well with the VF1 EX Jetfire Colors. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a matching set. Um... Yeah, that just seemed, I mean, it seemed like, you know, it was obviously a, a bit of fan service such that it was. And even earlier when they were in the hangar, there was an announcement over the PA system saying, I, from memory, it was like, what, the Delta flights, Valkyries were all good to, locked in or good to go or whatever, and they're getting the Destroids ready. It's like, wait, Destroids? We haven't seen any Destroids in this show. What I thought was weird about that, that announcement, it was saying that um, Alpha and Beta were um, all basically on, uh, on, on the Aether, yeah. not the other ship. Right. So, Well, I think that's what they were saying. I think they were saying that they'd loaded up both carriers. Well, my impression was they'd loaded up both carriers with um, like all of their fighters except Delta. Like Even Delta's spots had been taken by yeah. other fighters. And it was kind of like, you know, it was the first hint that Delta might not be at that battle. Yeah, which was part of their plan. So. Right. All right, which which wasn't a bad plan. So that attack was basically a, a feint. <coughs> and, it, it, you know, it was, uh, the, it, there was a distraction uh, while Delta headed over to Alfheim, as, uh, Alfheim, I should say, as was noted last episode. But just going back to, to Randall um, briefly... Renato, you finally got some action. Yay. <laughs> so, you know, you're seeing some 171s. And speaking of repeated animation, you got the 171 firing the missiles the same as they did in, I think, episode one, when the initial attack uh, Frontier, yeah. uh, happened. But, um, yeah, I mean, impressions. I mean, we finally got some action here, and it wasn't the usual Delta <clears throat> and uh, Valkyrie combo. Well, not at first. I actually kind of. I liked it. I thought it was cool. I actually like. I didn't notice the. I noticed the the one seventy one footage reuse, but the I didn't. 
I registered that the, the monster was doing something similar, but I didn't think it was the same thing. And I kind of dug that sequence. I thought it was really cool. And now there's an excuse for them to make a toy of it again. Yeah, because that's what they need an excuse for. Um, and we also get to see the uh, the Elysian transforming... Uh, when it undocks from the island ship, it transforms back into cruiser mode, and then it transforms back into storm attacker mode once it gets to the battle at Randall. And it gave, gives a better idea of how the ship transforms, because, you know, when it initially launched, yeah. it was kind of going through the clouds as it transformed. Uh, I, yeah. i got to say, and this might be, I don't know, controversial as a Macross fan, but Elysium is, is rapidly becoming my favorite carrier ship. Like, I really like it. It looks cool every time it does anything. And the fact that the arms detach and have their own separate cool mode, like, it's just friggin' awesome. I hope if they did a DX toy of it, it would probably be really expensive, but I think I might fork out for it because I really like it. Oh, I have the Macross Quarter toy, and that toy is not fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awful. It's, it's awful. It's awful. No. And that's just but, the way it's set up. Because uh, yeah. it's not really a, a really transformed ship. It's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's like and, and, stands up and it becomes a robot. Yeah, it's almost like. And I mean, the uh, the Elysium would be infinitely more complex if they made it do all of the things that the one in the show can do. Like no. having the arms detach and then the Aether become it, and presumably the other one does it too, become their own mini ships that like with bits that extend and yes, fold right. around in and in stuff. A previous like, episode. Uh, uh, other ship uh, actually was separated from the others to do its own thing. I remember. So yeah, I just don't know if it transforms the same way. I assume so. I'm pretty sure the left and right arms are the same from memory. So yeah, I, I love it. I love the Elysium. It's it's a fantastic ship. Great design. It is. I don't think anyone would disagree. I've never been a fan. I mean, I like Seven, but I've never been a fan of the Macross holding a gun. Mm. Mm, yeah actually I'd probably agree with that uh, but as we mentioned this is kind of a distract, a diversionary tactic and Delta flight has gone over to Alheim and Renato you want to tell us what happens while they're over there oh actually no what am I saying do we um, yeah no they're sorry they're yeah. in Alheim Renato what happens I actually don't remember <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry um they land. There, there's a battle, isn't there a battle? Well, there's. A... Oh wait, no. They sing. They sing at the. Uh, at, yes, they sing at the ruins, and um, so prior to this, I think uh, Hayate had said that uh, you know, well, we can't. None of the ex- uh, none of the experiments that we tried uh, have been successful. Uh, you know, the experiments where they were trying to see if. Uh, Freya's song is going to cause him to var out again, so he was very afraid that it was going to happen again, and so uh, she starts singing along with the rest of Valkyrie, but she's not singing to her full potential because she's afraid that she might, um, you know, make uh, Hayate turn into a freakazoid. And so she starts to uh, sing. You say really- too, th- their plan too was to open a portal on Alfheim that would let them get to Windermere because they know that. Yes, they can do that. Now, and, yeah, and so, I've got some notes here from when that happened, and I was—I literally have written on my on my notes here. Wait, what? How? When did we find out that? Like previously, when Nicolmo activated the ruins, it was clear that they are opening a portal once they aligned correctly. But 
Did, have they stated? And I may yeah. have forgotten from last week that they was they they said the secret to getting through to Windermere was on this planet, but we don't know why these specific ruins, when activated, open a specific portal to to Windermere. Doing I, I my impression was that all of them open a portal to Windermere, because from memory, when Mikamo does it, they say it's opening portals to, and I think they say it's opened a portal to Windermere or something like that. That's how Heinz connects. To everyone else, oh, okay. like this is like reversing it, and um, I I don't think it, this planet was like the only one that would connect. I assume they picked it because it was one of the more la- like Ragnar's pretty heavily defended, right. and this one I don't think they'd really paid attention to. So I assume it was a more out of the way one that would be less likely for them to get intercepted and stuff. So I don't I don't think they needed to be here specifically to do that. I think this was just the easiest target for them to hit. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Because everyone was just talking about it so matter-of-factly. I was like, this is the big plan? Like, it wasn't really mentioned during Johnson's big briefing beforehand either. So, when they... they Did just... you really want them to have another episode of just dialogue explaining <laughs> the plan? <laughs> oh my god, no. Does that, does that mean yeah. we get more pipes, so. Renato? Do we get more pipes? Because if so, I'm all for it. Well, in the episode where Messer bites it and Mikabo and Freya kind of get knocked unconscious when they were communicating with the, with the ruins, it obviously pretty much took them to Windermere because they saw the crater. And I think only Mikabo recovered from that. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that took them to Windermere because I thought that was what Heinz, like... Isn't that what Heinz? That's his that consciousness. Heinz's consciousness. Yeah, That's what yeah. he, he remembers. Yeah, they um, were they were in his mind. Yeah, I agree with that. Maybe. Uh, but uh, but I, I think I mean presumably Heinz, Heinz opens a or like whatever the 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 ruins through Heinz open a portal, like a fold portal to whatever planet that they go to, and we've never seen where. Well, I mean. You see the fold portal open up in front of him, and then he sings and energy goes into it, but it looks like a fold portal. And then whenever they were hitting people, it was always on the planets with the ruins. So I assumed all this time he's been connecting to them, opening a portal, and that's how the like the Song of the Wind gets through. And they were just reversing the process. Is that not right? Like, that's what I thought was happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, whatever. So the point is that uh, Hayate uh, starts to bar out, right? Oh, no, no, wait, before that, uh, Mikumo slaps Freya. Yes, she gets Minmei slapped. Yeah, because she's not singing properly. Uh, so then uh, Mirage and Hayate uh, come down in their Valkyries on either side of Freya and start saying, Hey, you know what? You gotta sing properly because we're all fighting down here, and, uh, and it's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry about me. Just sing to your best ability. So then they do that, um, and they open up the portal. Um, but well, before that, for, yeah, before the portal is, we get Kasim and the twins come down to yeah to fight them, and and Kasim goes white knight on them. Because that's before the portal opens. That whole sequence with what happens yeah, to yeah, where's Keith this whole time. He was on Voldor, is it? No, hang on. He's, he's, on, Red Hill. he's on Randall. He, yeah. he and Borg and Helmrand. Oh, that's right. Randall. They get that's sent to right. Randall. Because they think that's the main attack. Yeah, 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 that's I don't right. I remember that song. 
Uh, no, they oh, figure I out that they they figure out that it is a diversion, and that Valkyrie and Delta Flight is not there, and that they ended up at Randall. So they yeah. were specifically sent to Randall to intercept them. But Keith and the others went to the bigger battle. Yeah, as you mentioned, Renato, it's like Kasim is putting out like he's just going all in. It's using his rune like that is obviously accelerating his aging process as he's flying, right? Uh, but Hayate does var out, uh, to which Mirage's answer is to rugby tackle him. Uh, I think it was a hug. I think it was a rugby tackle. But, uh... Could be both. But the, the, the whole point of this, I thought was hilarious, was she she grabs him, and then Hayate realizes that they are both my wings. I've got... Freya and Mirage, and I won't fire yeah. out again. You're skipping one thing. Uh-huh. Uh, he, Just one? I mean... You're skipping many things, yeah. Oh, yeah. this is it. Um, you know, he goes he goes up against Cassim. Uh, Cassim goes, uh, you know... Why not? You know, basically flying on the wind. They're both trying to take him out. Uh, and then he starts varring. And it gets to the point where he's so under, like, out of control. He's just randomly shooting everywhere blindly. Yeah. And then that's when Mirage goes in front of him to stop him, similar to like what Fouquet did in, uh, well, not that part, but uh, he, as no, I skipped something. As he's basically firing at nothing, Kasim says, "I told you I wouldn't go easy on you next time," and he actually goes for the kill shot. And. Mirage goes up, blocks it um, with the pinpoint barrier they have on you know, their forearms and then is trying to get uh, Hayate to snap out of it. And she sees Hayate aim at her and he takes the shot. She just ducks yeah. under it and then she grabs him when she yeah. should have shot him first because she was sitting, she was sitting there kind of hesitant. Do I shoot him? Do I shoot him? She decides not to. He shoots at her, and she ducks. And then, she- well, there's an important scene before the battle where she says to him, uh, "You know, as your superior, it would be my responsibility if you do var out and go completely out of control to uh, to, to shoot you." To rugby right? tackle. That yeah. tells us tells him straight out. Right. So you thought that was what was going to happen, yeah. but instead yeah, she hunted yeah. him. Do you remember love? She is not a genius. A real genius would have just shot them up. <laughs> and, yeah. and you know what? Like, up until that point, I was doing fine with this whole sequence. It was then when we go... Then we get to the bit that you were talking about, that these are my... The girls are my wings. And I was like, okay. And then he says, I'll never var out again. And I was like, based on what? Where did that come from? Yeah, I don't know. So from now on, based on the mutual trust of you, having you go, you guys here by my side. Yeah, yeah. He, he has to fly. Oh, yeah, that was the with, only part that lost me. He has to fly into battle with Mirage hanging off his waist every every battle. <laughs> uh, overall, I, I really liked this episode, but that was the one part that I was like, mm, that feels like you kind of got to the end of the series and were like, shit, how do we solve this problem? Um, you mean? Do you mean that line of dialogue or the actual hugging itself? No, no, I don't mind that she hugged him. I mind that because she's like just snap out of it, yeah. And then 
you see Freya like essentially sending him the same vibes. He feels that, and I'm okay with that. But yeah. then he goes, "That's it. You're right. You guys are the best. I'll never yeah. var out again." And I was like, "Yeah, they were the best. They were the best for you three weeks ago, dude. Like, what the hell has changed that all of a sudden you feel like you're cured?" Yeah, in that like, case, we're on the same page. Yeah, it was everything. Everything was fine up until that line. I've come to my senses now. Kind of okay. Well, right. Yeah, I don't mind that he came okay to his senses. I was kind of okay yeah. with that line because part of it seems to be his bluster, hoping that you know, to snap Freya out of her uh, state and get her to sing. Because I think at this point, uh, like all along, he's willing to uh, put his set aside if that means that she can sing. So part if of that was t- saying that uh, aloud so Freya could continue singing, get the uh, you know, uh, ruins to activate and get the mission accomplished. If it turns out that that's just him saying, oh, don't worry, I'll be fine, and then he's not, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Like, if that's his belief and it proves false. Yeah. But if this is their way of saying, oh, don't worry, guys, he's he's cured. Anyway, on with the show, uh, that's going to be a big sticking point for me. Because yeah, that feels like, like you're saying that if that solves that narrative conflict, yeah, that's ridiculous. Or not, then, yeah, okay, I totally agree with that, with Craig, there. Hmm. I wouldn't disagree, uh, but it kind of, it's like, it's retroactively trying to justify the Frontier TV series ending, that Alto's decision. It's like, yes, yeah. everything works out because you are both my wins. It's not that I didn't want to make a decision. <laughs> I actually yeah, need the two of you or else I go crazy. Oh, please. He, he'd already made a decision. He was with Cheryl, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. No, um, no, Bobby. Anyway, it works because uh, both of them... Uh, do actually complement each other in this series, whereas in the other one, yes. they're just love interests, right? Yeah, this that's is right. more like actual teamwork. Like, oh, we're thanks, so it's fine. I'm okay with that. So, yeah, like, uh, again, I'm 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 okay with the concept, just not the execution. So they do uh, after this. The portal does open, and uh, Mike, if you're still with us, do you want to go over what happens after this? I am still with you guys, uh, but being as I only watched it right before I went to sleep, I'll just, uh, I'll just, uh, I'll defer to someone else until uh, I could give my thoughts at the end of the episode. Did it blend well, into I, a dream that you had or something? I think you can you can safely call this moment. Chuck actually does something. So so the the Wildcure guys manage to open the portal. They jump into the shuttle. Um, and fly off, and Walkyr's heading up to it, but one of the twins uh, is in the way, uh, ready to block them. Chuck sort of moves ahead and says, you guys go, I'll keep him busy, fires a bunch of missiles, which damages him enough to, at least, I don't think it killed him, I think it just meant that he wasn't going to get to the portal in time. Um, So he he says to his brother and, and Kasim, you guys go, I'll stay back, you know, just go after them. Don't worry about me. You guys go. And similarly, Chuck is is left behind while the rest of um, Delta uh, and the shuttle uh, gets up to the um, uh, gets up and through the big fall portal in the sky. Right, and Chuck doesn't make it through, right? So. No, he do- he doesn't. He's still back on, and neither does um, I think it's no, Theo. Theo yeah, yeah, yeah. Theo's wings get yeah. hit. Yeah, so I mean, presumably Theo and Chuck are now having this great battle that we'll never see 
uh, to the death on on that planet. Yeah, uh, also, actually, they might find we might find them in a campfire reminiscing about apple orchards and who knows what. <laughs> I am. Um, we can have an episode like that for them too, right? I actually like that we actually got to see the the um, dragon in its robot mode fighting. Like it actually got to do something in its Batroid mode, which is, I think it's, we've only had that like twice, maybe three times. Like it's very rare. Like a lot of the fights in Delta are fighter based, which is fine, but you know, they can transform. Actually, one of the things I liked about this episode was they actually shifted modes a fair bit. It wasn't just a jet fight, hmm. um, uh, which is which is something that previous Macross has always did really well, but this one's been a bit sort of slack on. Uh, and again, I think we said before, but I think the excuse is that it's because it's mostly most of the fights are, are in atmosphere. Right, that's true. Uh, but that's so, true. So they get through the portal, uh, but are followed by who makes it through again, Adrian? Uh, Zao. Zao and. Um... Zalan Kasim, also known as Tiak, and so they get through, and um, they're both really, really angry that that Wakuri well, made it through and are filthying up their their skies. Yeah, they're pretty upset that they are flying in their on their wing, their winds, their winds. So, well, how we we gotta? Oh no, sorry, no, that hasn't happened yet. Oh, I apologize. Go. Um, well, and then one of them. No, they both take a shot at the shuttle going well Kuro right yeah and, uh, which gets winged and Hayate blocks one of them yeah the other one hits right and then who gets sucked out was it Freya and Kaname yes. Kaname yeah Kaname yeah. who both get caught because but... I was like well this is going to be a really dramatic scene can they catch both no they just kind of get caught no worries yeah I thought they were setting it up to split the party essentially exactly but, um... I thought it could be like a behind enemy lines thing but now I realise we've only got four yeah. episodes left the um, what I thought was this is like nitpicky, and I know, and I'm I, I even hate myself a little bit for doing it, but they were like being held for ages in essentially combat in the arms of a batteroid. Wouldn't they be freezing? Like, it's a cold, icy winter planet at the best of times, and they're up in the air in <laughs> in the wind. I, I assume their suits give them some protection, Didn't but we just talk like, about the suits that layer. That protects them from laser blast. I'm pretty sure that's going to. I guess keep, so. They're going to keep them from getting wet and cold as well. But they didn't, except that they don't have anything on their heads. Well, actually, no. Well, maybe they do. Know that because the hairstyles change when they go into holographic outfits, right? That's they true. Their ponchos right. on that they. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh well. And, oh, well you know, ponchos solve everything. Yeah. <laughs> and if you've ever bought a real Mexican poncho in Tijuana, you keep those things for life. Yeah, I, I, I brought my Mexican lost. blanket from California <laughs> to Japan. Like, if you are worried about extreme weather conditions, I am like, this is Macross. We could go back to the very first episode of Macross, and Minmei should have been chunky salsa from the very yeah, first episode. I know. So, yeah, I know. I'm just nitpicky. I just. <laughs> I was sitting there going, like, they're not even, sh- there's nothing, they're not shivering, they're not, like, there's no, they they may be in the middle of a, like, I don't know, I'm sorry. On Ragnar, it didn't bother me, because it was, like, sunny, but this is, like, snowy ice area. Uh, of course, you'd presume that Freya, having her Windermere in Constitution, would be able to withstand it. Maybe Freya, but Kaname has just got, Kanami doesn't even really look concerned. There's a scene where, 
um, like Arid, who after Chuck getting to do something, we also see Arid do something, which was like a double shock. But That's right. He, Arid we actually blo- see him shoot down someone. Well, yeah, wing someone. Blo- that was the first time we really shot. get that, right? We see him do that. Doesn't he block a shot first on his arm shield? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think he does. I think he blocks a shot and then shoots down the other twin. And Konami's just like in his hand, like, oh, yeah, wow, that looks... I think like, it's funny. I don't know. Oh, he's got a problem with them being cold, but they can be in the desert in Al Shahar, and he's not worried about like what FP, you know, sun protection they're not wearing. Like, oh, shouldn't they have like a third degree burn being so hot in the that's, atmosphere that's and very, three very suns different. shining down on them? It's like, what FPS do they have on? Okay, I said it was a nitpick. <laughs> uh, I apologize. <laughs> Shutting up. So. Then we have. Right, let's uh, continue talking about this cartoon with transforming robots in it. Exactly. <laughs> so you guys know what a nitpick is, right? You're not allowed to nitpick, Macross. No. Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> I see where I went wrong. So uh, the, the, the girls are captured, and Kasim you know, is is still fighting. He he has Hayate pretty much dead in his sights. And his rune starts to go out, which appears to be like uh, work like a, a heart attack. It's like he has a heart palpitation, and his eyes roll back in his head, and he loses consciousness briefly, spins out of control, but then regains consciousness long enough to almost attempt a safe crash landing. Realize he might hit an apple orchard, and so plows headfirst into the ground instead. Or, or which more I have a big problem with. You don't like apples. <laughs> no, I hate apples. And um, no, the big problem I had with that part was yes, he lost consciousness. That's why, you know, the plane went backwards, went back towards the ground. He did wake up, and he did not think to either go into Gerwalk or Batroid mode to save himself because there was nothing wrong with his plane. He didn't get shot that's, down. I, that's exactly what I, I was thinking. Oh, he yeah, didn't get I, shot, I, though, didn't he? No, he just blacked no, he out. Didn't. He just he just blacked out. <laughs> I, I sort of assume, like, he barely, like, he twitches one control down. Like, I assumed he, could be, he couldn't really move. So, uh, like, even later when he's taking his helmet off. I mean, yeah. Uh, it like, was, but he just had to pull All he essentially lever. does is... Yeah. One possibility is if you do that, what will happen to the legs? They pull front, and it would blast the, or- the very altars that he was trying to protect. Uh, yeah. The, um... Actually, do we know... I don't think we've seen how they... Transform there, like on the on the thirty ones. It's the same as the well. There's a way they've been doing it since the eleven. I think where the handle rotates upwards, like the left control stick mm. goes upwards for the different modes. But I think we've seen how the dragons transform. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just couldn't do it. I assume. I assume there's a reason he didn't. He just couldn't do it. But, but sure it can't be a very very complex like. It's not, he's not inputting the Konami code, I'm pretty sure. There's an apple no, 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 on the no, dashboard, and you rotate the apple twice yeah, for Google. Got, you rotate the apple. You guys are missing the most obvious reason. It's because he's, he knows he's dying, and he just wanted to die. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think he was dead. Uh, yeah, I know, uh, but that's uh, not funny. He had a heart attack, or whatever it was. Um, you can see his, he's got the full-on grayscale going on. And so then at that point, he knows he's, I think he just wanted to crash his plane just because, so he could like die on his, on his, you know, home yeah. planet or whatever. On his own but, terms. I mean, he knows he's at that point, he knew he was done. Yeah, exactly. He's just going out on his own terms. 
I'm more interested in what did you guys think about Hayate trying to essentially save him? Not save him so much as, you know, talk him down so you make sure he was okay when they'd been fighting a second before. Did that bother anyone? It didn't bother me. I'm just curious. It, was, it brought up one thing I noticed about Macross in that when they uh, show the interactions between the uh, humans and the enemy, um, people who, who they shouldn't be interacting at all, it reminds me more of the yesteryear, the uh, golden age of aviation in War One, where people uh, uh, pilots would be ye- literally yelling to each other from uh, opposite sides of the enemy lines, from plane to plane, and there was, uh, for lack of a better word, a chivalry. Um, yeah. Between the pl- pilots, where, for example, when the Red Baron got uh, shot down, the Allied pilots gave him a, a like a salute from their planes uh, uh, during his uh, funeral. So it's the, there's a kind of thing which doesn't happen anymore in modern aviation, or even during War Two, which Macross seems to kind of bring in, where p- pilots on opposite sides of the, uh, of the enemy lines have no problems interacting when the plot calls for it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I thought it was... It would have been different if Hayata had shot him down. But it was the fact that he just sort of... Well, I mean, he had a hard time. Hayata didn't know exactly what had happened. But that something had clearly happened to him that that made me buy that moment. Yeah. And like, they had if that been episode down, before where they thing. interacted and they right. got to know each other. Yeah. So if it had been Bogue... Having the heart attack, they would have. I, I think they would have fired into the plane as it was descending. <laughs> At least I hope so. Uh, but yeah, and yeah. But Vogue, Vogue would have tried to save himself. He wouldn't have tried to plow into the uh, into the yeah. ground, right? Vogue would have aimed for the apple trees. Yeah, that'll break my fall. It's <laughs> a good point. So Kashim, you know, crash lands and uh, Hayate lands and runs to the cockpit and you know Kasim just his rune uh, is extinguished as he's checking that the apples are safe and that's it I meant to ask I meant to ask you Freya in the version that I watched says his, he used up his rune is that sort of what was said do you know because uh, I think that's interesting like does that mean their power comes from their rune well, as in the rune is kind of the life, right? So I believe it was just like his 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 rune was was used up. Right. Okay. So their 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 enhanced abilities are sort of like focused a, from the fold quartz in their runes. Okay. It was like a candle in the wind kind of moment, kind of thing. Yeah. Elton yeah, John I got it. I was just... is is Elton John on the soundtrack? Wow, Trap. <laughs> That's the hidden song because there's only like eleven songs out of twelve, right? That are listed. The last song is you And it seems to me long before God. Your apple juice every day <laughs> <laughs> Well uh since Goodbye to you, Hawk. Since <laughs> since Carice is still with us and probably wishing Not much she longer. wasn't. Um <laughs> Carice, you want to tell me your your thoughts on this episode? I, I haven't had much of a chance to talk to you about whether you, you liked it or not. What was your general take overall? Um, uh, well, the first oh, time I watched it, okay. that's that is a box quote right there. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay, that's another. I box just quote. thought it was messy. That's all. 
I, I can see it like, now. There's going to be some dimwit on Twitter that's going to say, there you have it, boys. Speaker podcast people said, ugh, about this episode. I'm going to call this episode title, ugh. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. What? Anyways, so you were saying, Chris, <laughs> please. Good night. <laughs> um, no, don't all. leave that us. Okay. Don't leave us. We'll behave. No, it's just... But like, I did enjoy it, especially, like, it was really nice to get some book reaction after, I don't know, how many episodes without it? It's just Five. the very first time I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, the writing is just so messy, what are they doing? Um, after I watched it the second time, I felt a lot better, because I'm kind of starting to see the themes, like, crossing across episodes and stuff like that, so it's more interesting the second time around, but it's just the first time I was like, what the heck's going on? And... I think, as you guys were saying about that scene with, yeah, the You Are Both My Wings scene, basically, I was like, I did not like that. Yeah. <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. For the same so reason? That, like, at the same moment? Or the whole thing? Pretty much. Yeah, I was just a bit like, it's... The execution just made me go, oh, oh boy. <laughs> was not. Um, I think also part of the thing is I've seen reactions to it somewhere else, and I was like, goodness, I know what they're going to say, and it was just annoying me, so... Um, yeah, so just for all those reasons, I was like, oh, I didn't like that bit. Um, but that was just the first time. The second time, I thought, oh, much better. So I'm kind of okay. Like, it's it was a nice episode to finally get after how many episodes? Was it? Three or four episodes where we were going, oh boy, <laughs> um, not enough action. It was just where are we going and lots of info dump, and we finally got something. So, yeah. I'm sort of happy with it. Mm. Where are we going? When are we coming home? Still have a lot of questions, though, that haven't been answered. Many, many questions. And this could... Something else that was uh, uncovered during the week, and since uh, since it's come out, I have tracked it down. The uh, booklet in Volume 2 of the Blu-ray is actually where this photo comes from that's been doing the rounds, where it's stated... Apparently, the show was supposed to be a thirteen-episode, like you know, sing- a single-season show plus a movie, much like Blood Sea. Uh, and then, around the time they were writing episode four, it became a, a two two-season series. Could this be partly responsible for some of the pacing issues we've seen? No. No. Okay. No. <sighs> Moving on. Um, my. Do we know that for a fact? Is that is that actually in the book? Is it? That's yeah, no, that's actually, it's actually written in the booklet. Yeah. Huh. No, well, I mean the fact it's in in the book that it was going to be a half series and a movie. yeah, half series in a movie. But yeah. again, I don't you know go on thinking if the change had anything to do with the last five episodes. Well, I'll jump in. I'll jump in real quick. Uh, I don't know if that's that's the case, uh, but I will say back to my point that I made last week was we finally get an episode that has some action and it has a good mix. I think um, you know one of the things that, that Gwen touched on in the early you know, first ten episodes of Delta was like the pacing and how like like this episode had a good mix. It was like a good half and half. Like the first fifteen minutes were like some dialogue, some exposition some character development, and then the second half was, like, all action. Uh, 
And um, and well, guess who was involved in the storyboarding aspect? Mr. K, Mr. K himself. So as I pointed out, like last week, like he was not involved in those episodes where we're like, boy, it's just dragging on. Then he gets involved and all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's got that good mix and it's interesting again, for lack of a better term. Like he was so involved. I don't know if that. He was involved. Remember last week we saw that uh, he was credited as uh, the storyboarder. Kurokawa Eiji. Because he? he doesn't use his real name. It wasn't last uh, week. It was okay. that. before that? Which episode was it? It was... The one where he's... Burger episode. The PowerPoint yeah, songs. That one? Yes. Yeah. yeah, like the worst yeah. one. Yeah, well that makes... I mean... Yeah, I mean, come on, that makes sense because it's just the history of Macross. But as far as all the other ones, you know, where nothing's happening, I mean, that uh, he wasn't involved at all. And then now, like, we get like the action and stuff like that, and he's back. So I'm just so, saying, when when Mr. K when Mr. K is involved, things happen. I, I think that does serve a point that on all of the other episodes, he would credit himself as his you know, his real name for storyboarding, but for that particular Eternal Songs. He chose to use dredge up uh, that old pen name he used back in the first <laughs> Macross days, Eiji Kurokawa, as if to distance himself from that particular episode. Don't blame so. me, guys. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> go ahead, Renato. Okay, I was just gonna say I feel bad because uh, now, because of the wonders of Twitter, I'm following one of the other episode directors, um, and it was one that we bashed quite badly. And, uh, you know, just before the episode airs, he always tweets, uh, you know, please, Yoroshiko Negashimasu, please, please watch and enjoy. I, I did my best, you know, it was pretty tough working on Macros Delta, but I did my best, please watch it. And then we ripped it to shreds. So, <laughs> I didn't rip sorry. it. Sorry, sorry, dude, I forgot his name. <laughs> but, hey, well, two things. One, Mike, uh, refer to Mr. K as Kawamori, because Mr. K is the guy that works at Arcadia, and everyone gets confused, and they think that is Mr. K Kawamori, which it's not. So just say Kalamori. Um, <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> do you, can people? You guys know who I'm talking about, but thank you for clearing that up. I'm okay. just saying. Sure. A lot of people think Mr. K at Arcadia is Kalamori. That is not the case. Um, I see. Okay. And can anyone tell me where the director of the Machina episode is on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I want to find him. I want to or follow her. him. I want to follow him and thank him. <laughs> um, I guess I, before I, I move on to uh, to other people's final thoughts, I did neglect to mention we got a new song this episode, which was sung you know, when the girls were activating the ruins, and it was called Absolute Five. Uh, I would have to rewatch the episode before making any kind of opinion on the song but yeah initially it sounded all right um it was part of the story that it was supposed to sound terrible because of freya right uh well yeah she was the one she was trying to sing but not very hard and so they changed the song and they started singing um or whatever it's called and and then uh and then she sang good she got good so the song was like Given it's the first track on the upcoming album from Walkery, I wonder if the version that's going to be on that album is going to be the one where she's uh, singing at her full potential or what we heard in the episode. 
Well, I'm sure it would be full <laughs> potential. It would be very yeah, surprising if it wasn't. Gonna... Well, like, Seven did it. Out... Did they? Yeah, Seven brought out a version of Planet Dance where uh, Gamblin is interrupting, saying, Neki Masada, I know you're trying to get your song across the universe, but you're never going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail completely. I'll show you that your song is worthless. Blah. And that's, that's the version. On that yeah, note, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, you know, you remember there was that version that Freya sings of the opening sequ- a song in episode 13? I hope that's eventually put out on CD sometime. Because that you know, that version with Freya singing, well, for lack of a better, in the, you know, in the moment of battle, it just seems you know, like a, a nice different version. It needs more gambling. <laughs> it really does. Um, Craig, any, any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, overall, I like I like the episode a lot um, uh, because I felt like we actually went somewhere. Like it had enough. Well, we there's enough. Well, I meant story wise uh, and plot wise. Uh, I, I felt like while the uh, it, it made me realize just how stretched out the last bunch of episodes were. Like because this was the mix that we were promised in the beginning. Like. J-pop stuff and mecha battles, and this was both, uh, which we haven't had in four weeks. Um, and even then, there was a one-week gap, and then before that, it was like three weeks. So yeah, I, I dug the episode. I, I didn't like the the everything secured in an instant uh, moment for Hayata. I thought that was really cheap uh, on what was essentially quite a large plot point. Um, and I don't know. I, I hope. I hope. Uh, I hope going forward that we're going to be, you know, I hope it's going to land it. At this point, I'm I'm not, I'm not confident, but I'm hopeful. <laughs> so I, I guess we'll see. I did like the mecha stuff. I thought the fun, the fighting was neat. We got to see Ara do something. We got to see Chuck do something. I think this is literally the first time we've seen Chuck in combat since episode two. Usually he flies in and then he disappears for the fight, and then at the end it's like, oh yeah, by the way, no. Chuck was still here. No, he he did some stuff in space when they had the sound boosters. Did he? Yes, he deployed uh, his two Tomfra guns because he didn't have his main gun because he's got the radio. I just Uh always figured he disappears because everyone's fighting and he's off looking for his sister. (laughs) So on window, of course. Where where else? Where else would you be? (laughs) (laughs) It's like he just looks everywhere. Um, So Egan, any? Just touch upon what Clarice was talking about and something we've talked about also in previous podcasts about the narrative show, don't tell kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We've seen how a lot of episodes did the whole telling us what's going on, the info dump. And then we get episodes like, episodes like these where they don't tell us what's going on and just show us. And it's only when we watch it again that we put the pieces together and go, oh, so they were assuming that the viewer figured out this, you know, well, from previous episodes means that this happens in this episode and we are then referring this happens in the next uh, so it's just going back and forth between these different narrating, uh, narrative styles it's kind of you know kind of expects you to have done your homework that which is yeah I'm not sure if it should be expected for people especially you know watching it on a television s- series as opposed to waiting until it comes out on Blu-ray and mm. uh, later on Right. So, yeah, there's some. You know, what are those choices that are right or wrong in doing that? Where, you know, going from episodes where it's complete tell to episodes like these where they kind of show and 
you know, uh, kind of assume that we're keeping up and filling in the blanks where they uh, left blank. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if that's... Like, the impression I get in terms of the difference between perhaps more some Japanese fandoms and, like, Western overseas fandoms is that overseas fandoms tend to watch, or the English-speaking ones tend to watch as much as they can yeah. uh, in a season, which means that they don't actually have the time or the inclination to go and look up all this stuff. Whereas if you're watching only one or two series, then you're probably going to sit down, um, you might watch it several times, like each episode, and you'll actually pick up a lot of stuff. And I've done that before with another series. I did that with some of the earlier Delta episodes um, and haven't really had time to do that with recent ones. But you do pick up a lot more if you actually sit down and watch it twice, three times, maybe even Absolutely. more. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll admit. I've, I've mentioned before how it's a lot easier to be a general anime fan outside of Japan because you've got things like Crunchyroll where it's very cheap and very accessible. But not only that, I seldom hear like fellow fans of anime in Japan. I, I never get the question like, what are you watching this season? Like People know their niche, they know what they're after, and they'll always ask about a specific title. Or they'll ask what mm. you're watching, but I, they never, unless it's industry talk or they're talking about the flow of a show, people don't ask what you're watching this season. It's just not not done among fans that I've ever come across. Uh, of course, that's anecdotal, so you know, take it for what you will. But uh, Adrian, any... Uh... No, well, I agree with you on that. I mean, you don't have that that type of conversation here about, you know, what are you watching this season? It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um... It was a good episode. Uh, a lot of mecha action. I was happy. I think it's. I think things are falling in place by design. Um, whether we like it or not, if we if there's a law, there's a law. Um, but I thought it was pretty good. I just have the the part about Kasim like mm. having. Nothing wrong with his draken, and he still decides to crash land in the snow. I thought that was poorly done. Um, you know. Did you notice? I meant to say this before. Did you notice that they're fighters? But just I would, they could have just figured out a different thing to make it yeah. to where he, you know, he chose his death. Like Mike's saying, like that's the way he wanted to go out. Uh, but if there was just something, a little plot device where. It's more convenient that he's going to go out that way because there's no other way out, so he's going to take it. Mm. Yeah. Did That's um it. did you notice in the final scene that their planes disappeared? Like uh, uh, Mirage and Hayate's fighters weren't anywhere near the uh, the the wreck of the ship, and just run over the Freya, costumes, uh, They showed the footprints yeah. in the snow, but but they but they only started halfway through, like they just start. No, I didn't notice that. Hmm. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Anyway, okay. sorry. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, the episode was good. I do want to say one thing about last week's episode, which kind of irked me. And I, it came up this week, and it's about the whole um, Mikimo reveal. That that was so badly planned, because her birthday was the week before the episode aired, <laughs> and yeah, I, I have to wait. <laughs> I have to wait a whole year before I have to go run around Akiba and do a rally stamp for something that's not worth the two hours to do the rally stamp. You know, for some Mikumo sticker or, 
you know, a mini clear file that is totally useless because it's a mini clear file. Yeah. And they've robbed me of that. We have to wait almost just under one year to to do that. And they missed the golden opportunity there. And and there's been some interesting timing where I think yeah. they've, they've kind of missed some synergy. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, releasing, as we said before, Axia on iTunes and whatnot. Yeah. Immediately after that episode. Yeah. But, but, oh, hey, Chuck's birthday was yesterday. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> I want a Chuck clear file. And, you don't want a Chuck And, and f- <laughs> for his birthday, he got to actually shoot something. Yeah. I guess. But, yeah. They got, totally they true. got it. For his birthday, they got him screen time. <laughs> Did he spend it with his sister? Oh! <laughs> oh! That would mean he got shot down Chuck. and died, opposed to Cassidy. Ouch. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck has a sister. Still holding out hope she's alive somewhere. Yeah. All right. Along well, with Heathcliff. Uh, yeah. We might wrap it up. I'm just hoping that anyone remembers she existed. Who now? <laughs> Okay, so I might wrap it. We might wrap it up here for. So, Mike, this any final snores? Uh, you still awake? Thank you. No, yeah, I'm I'm awake. Uh, just real quick. Um, no, I, I'm with you guys. Uh, well, I enjoyed I enjoyed the heck out of the episode. Like I was watching it on the on the plane yesterday, and I, I really enjoyed it. And then just because I think you know, it's like the starving man in the desert. You throw him a cracker, and he's going to be like, oh, this is the best cracker I've ever eaten. And so, <laughs> is that a Ritz? That's not saltine. That's a Ritz, right? One of those, you know. That's Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I Thank know, you. Someone I know what you're that. doing. It's Eddie Murphy. He's talking <laughs> well, about I know you. I know that you got it from Eddie Murphy Delirious, but you said it wrong. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, of course. I'm paraphrasing. It's called paraphrasing. We've had this discussion on Twitter before with oh, somebody that will not be named. No, that's right. <laughs> um, anyways, but yeah, no, I uh, I thought it was great. Like, um, I just enjoyed it. I, I didn't have a problem with the way that Cassie went out. Like, to me, like that little thing that yeah, you were looking I... for, Adrian, uh, that little thing that you were looking for was the fact that you see him with his throttle he pushes down on the throttle. Like to me, that was like a clear message that, Oh, he's like, Oh yeah, no, I'm done. And I'm just going to die. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I don't know like what more deliberate thing that you'd want from that. Um, but you know, just, it's just a, a differing of opinions, I guess. I mean, the other thing, um, and you guys brought this up and I thought, I don't know if, again, my Japanese is lacking, but when when Hayate is going full VAR, right, but then, you know, he's like Mirage appears to him and then uh, Freya uh, appears to him. And it, it, what I understood, he said, oh, now I'll never, I'll be, I'll be good. It'll never happen again. Is that like literal, like he has no chance of going VAR again? Like he's just fine now? Is that is that's that what, what you guys got from like that? That's, that's the way it came across to me. Yeah, he's, he's like, said, "I'll be fine. I'll never go VAR again. Don't worry about me, guys." So, I mean, and if that's the case, I mean, is that is that just him talking, or or do you think that's what the create the the writers or whatever like? Okay, yeah, well, you don't have to worry about this anymore. Well, that's, that's what Craig that's is a big question. Yeah, about. like if it's 
if it's like that's what he thinks and he's wrong, that's fine. If it's the writers saying, "Well, don't worry, guys, that's over now," then I'll be. I think that's ridiculous and stupid. That's I mean, pretty lame. Yeah. <laughs> well, what happens? I mean, just thinking, thinking out loud. Then I guess the ultimate payoff would be if we get to the last episode and he does go full VAR and taking into account no one shot down Messer, no one shot down Hayate, the ending is, say, Mirage taking Hayate's life and no one gets anybody. Maybe. Is that, I, I feel that like... make it a payoff for you guys? Is that what you want? I, I, I don't know what I want, but it needs to be more than this. I, I think yeah. he'll go. I think he'll go full VAR to fight Keith. I think the big final aerial combat has got to be him versus Keith, right? And, I mean, that's again to go full VAR means he's going to have to be taken out. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like um, the Ghostbusters don't cross the streams thing. Okay, we're not going to cross the streams anymore until we need to, and in that case, it might be life or death for us. But it's what we have to do, kind of thing, right? Right. Uh, yeah, so that's I mean, and that's really that's my only nitpick with that. But otherwise, uh, I enjoyed it. So okay, good. All mm. right, thanks for that, Mike. So look, let's uh, wrap it up for this week, uh, Mike. While you're still with us, where can people find you? <laughs> well, even though I am, uh, I did not change my handle. So this week I am Mike in Vegas, but you can always find me on Twitter at Mike in Redlands. All right, and Craig. Uh, you can catch me on the Macros Speaker Podcast. Oh, and on my own show, uh, Repacked, and on Reanimated, which we're going to record sometime soon. I hope. Okay, Carice. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at Carice six seven. Adrian. Uh, you can find me on my Twitter handle. At Giant Robo, um, tweeting a little bit more often as the weeks go on. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Renato. Yeah, you can steal my photographs and put them on 4chan. I am at uh, Renatology on Twitter, so have, have fun. Knock yourself down. Oh, <laughs> somebody stole your photos? Yeah. <laughs> That's okay though. I mean, it's like I didn't draw them. Like I, I took a photograph of the uh, the rough SV two six two dragons that are in the new Blu-ray booklet, and uh, and then I saw them somewhere else. So I was like, "That's my thumb in there." I always put my thumb in there. Yeah, your thumb was in the FB seven reveal too. Yeah, and it, and it was in the reveal of um, what was it the the Macros Plus Blu-ray announcement. No, the, uh, the, the YF, YF19 announcement, when Arcadia was going to make one. Fair enough. Uh, well, look, hopefully uh, you get your thumb gets credited in the future, Renato. Uh, in Egan, of okay. course, can be found on this podcast. Including next week's episode, which was called Zencon Requiem. I guess you can translate uh, fragmentary, fragment, uh, requiem, rem, uh, remnants, requiem. And, of course, you can find me on Gwyn, uh, under the handle of Gwyn Campbell, capital G, capital C, on Twitter, 
And uh, you can email the cast at speakerpod at gmail.com. And on that note, guys, we've gone way long. You know, with all this mecha action, I didn't think there'd be that much plot to talk about. But we've, uh, we've outdone ourselves, I think. So thank you again, everyone, for joining us. Uh, both members of the cast, special guests, and listeners. And uh, we'll catch you again next week on The Good. Yay. Holding out. Uh-huh.